0: Hello, and welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, Eye donation. I'm Lori Steele.
1: I'm Joey Boudreau.
0: I'm Sally Gentry. And we are all smiles because you choose to listen. And what we hope is that you choose to pass this along. Our goal is to make life happen. And we try to make it as easy as possible for you to join us in
1: that mission. Absolutely, Lori. We want you to listen in, rate us. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcast apps.
0: And listen, if um, you want to see some of what we're talking about, we post pictures and we do updates on Facebook, Donate Life Louisiana. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Donate Life LA. And Miss Sally, I'm hearing about a... Hotline. Oh,
2: yes, indeed. And for those of you who prefer to call in on a phone rather than all this other (laughs) high-tech stuff, (laughs) you can reach us at 504-648-3477. Oh, yeah, we still call each other, right? (laughs) Yeah, that still works, too.
0: So we want this to be interactive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we want this to be interactive. We may use your audio. Uh, We want to know what you're thinking, and we want to make life happen. So join us today. Let's get started. All right, guys, this is kind of a flashback episode for The Gifted Life. Those are fun. We're going to be taking you back to Transplant Games 2016.
1: Absolutely, Lori. Just to see these guys maybe a year out or, or just a little bit older competing against other transplant recipients, giving it their best. It is amazing to watch them and to hear their stories.
2: And what I find really fascinating is all the people that you were able to talk with, get their stories, hear how they got there, yeah. and they. everyone was so upbeat, they were so happy, and you and...
0: Your friend Troy
2: did a great job. (laughs) Yeah, Max and Kirsten.
0: Yeah, we had a a crew out there. It was so much fun. And to be on the ground level, you know, we were all going for medals because, you know, it was the games. Um, But once they crossed a finish line or once they completed, uh, you know, a basketball game, it was like victory no matter what. That was awesome. And that's what we want you to hear. So enjoy. Lori Steele here transplant games 2016 bowling going on behind us but we wanted to introduce you to some of the people who make all of this possible our partners from across the country. We met Miss Marilyn, how are you? I'm good, good how to be here. She's with Lifeline of Ohio. Right. So tell us a little bit about Lifeline of Ohio. Well, Lifeline of Ohio is the OPO that
3: serves Central and Southeastern Ohio. Okay. We're located in Columbus. Ohio's unique in
0: that we have four OPOs that serve the state. Wow, so big state. Yeah, we talk about that a lot in our community presentations. One of the sponsors of the games, and it seems like a natural fit, right? It was great. When the games were coming to Ohio, we were so
3: excited. Um, For us, Cleveland's only two hours away. And we really came together as a state, all of the OPOs, Mm -hmm. the tissue banks, the eye banks, um, to really make this a statewide event. One of the things that we did was we carried the torch around the state. And uh, it was really fun to have those torch-run events in every location all over the state of Ohio. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the things we could do together. It was really about raising awareness about the need for donation, but more importantly, letting people know about the difference a donor can make, right, the torch, right. help people see the importance um, of a donor's gift, and we promoted our registry in locations uh, all over the 88 counties of Ohio.
0: And I've heard that registration's just poured in,
3: Well, once we, they hear. Yeah, certainly it has helped to boost registration. Ohio is one of the larger states mm-hmm. for donor registrations, and so um, we grow yeah. you know, in yeah. really small increments. But we know that the people's stories influence people and then ultimately change lives.
0: Yeah, and I love hearing everybody's story. You too have a story because you've been helping to save lives for almost 20 years. Uh,
3: I have, I've been with Lifeline of Ohio that long. Oh, wow. My first games was in 1998, and they were actually in Columbus, Ohio. So. I came to the OPO and immediately joined the committee that was developing and planning those games. So these games have been a part of my history. And um, so I'm really happy they're back in Ohio. Mm and certainly an event like this just charges my batteries i you know, know i'm ready to go keep going because good. you meet so many people hear so many stories it's, ah, a, it's, it's a so inspiring
0: thing. i love it now we were just watching a, a bunch of recipients and donor families together and they're bowling but they're talking and they're hugging and they're having a good time and that's what we like to see oh absolutely and that's what i said you know Social
3: media has changed since I've. Um, yeah, it's you. true. Yeah. It's really changed how we communicate. But I love watching all the posts and seeing people mm-hmm. talk about the stories that they've come in contact with. So it's a great thing.
0: I think it rejuvenates us yeah. all. And I don't know if you know, we're going to share the word with you and with you. We have a podcast in Louisiana. It's called The Gifted Life. So you can download it on your podcast app or go to lopa.org slash podcast, but it's sharing stories like yours, okay, and great. these recipients and donor families, but it's working together as a team, because we're teammates, that's we're partners right. too. Yeah, and it, it's, it's all for about, one cause. yeah, all about saving more lives. Yeah, because
3: organs are shared all over the country, no yeah. matter where the
0: donor is, so it's a great thing. There you go, and then uh, we always honor a hero, and that's what we're doing here at the Transplant Games, so just spreading the word, and we appreciate you. Okay. All okay. right, great Transplant me. Games 2016. Lori Steele here at Transplant Games 2016, met this too cool family that we had to share with you. Um, Number one, this is Mrs. Peanut. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. (laughs) You guys are from Georgia. Yes. Right, and you dress as a team mascot. So Peanut, right? Mrs. Peanut. Peanut. Yeah, (laughs) and you have some slick dance moves, (laughs) of course, right? So how old are you? I'm 87. I should have said how young are you, right? right? 87, love her. This is your daughter. Judy. Mm -hmm. And then Judy's husband is Joe. And Joe received a
4: heart transplant in 1996.
0: 1996. That's incredible. And been coming to the games
4: since 1998,
0: since 1998. And you've been coming to the games since 1998. So isn't that incredible? Um, I want to start with you, your inspiration. Um, The whole reason that you're alive and well and coming to these games is because of a hero named Brian.
4: Brian is a organ donor that gave me his heart 20 years ago in November. He uh, was 19 years old. He was selected to be on the honor squad for the homecoming game. He was running across the street to tell his foster sister that he had been selected when he was struck by a car. He broke a leg, cracked a rib, put a small bruise on his cheek, severe head injury. They took him to the hospital, put him on a ventilator to help stabilize him, but his brain began to swell and they couldn't stop it. He became brain dead. Now, foster parents don't have the legal rights that we do over our children. He had a donor's card in his wallet. He had donor on his driver's license. But this is 20 years ago. Wow, yeah. And they had to get permission from the next of kin. The donor family, Ruth and Bob, being uh, foster parents could not sign paperwork to make it happen. Mm. LifeLink of Georgia had to get a recorded conversation from the blood mother, and his 16-year-old brother signed for his mom, and that's how I got my heart.
0: Oh my goodness! And so this was 20 years ago. Yeah. Transplant wasn't talked about a yeah. whole lot back then. So I guess what was going through through your mind? Oh, your when thoughts. When we heard
2: that he needed a transplant, um, it was seven years prior to that right yeah. wow. and um so the doctor had just said he will need a transplant in five to seven years so at that time we were like i don't know you mm-hmm. know about transplant but the closer it got and the sicker he got it was like what other option do we have Only option yeah so um, it was it was it's been a journey yeah. and it's been one that now we wouldn't trade for anything <sighs> because the people and the path mm-hmm. that God put us on in the transplant
0: path mm-hmm. has just been incredible. And yeah. I love that you guys do it as a family, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So when did you start dressing up as Mrs. Peanut?
2: Mm-hmm. That was at the 10 yeah. Games, 2010. Mm-hmm. 20, yeah.
4: Before before that, yeah. she had to walk in and sit in the audience oh. up, up in the top with my wife. Okay. And she had been coming to the Games since 1998. <laughs> I said, I'm going to change that. <laughs> if I can get her as a mascot, yeah. she can walk in with me.
0: Wow. So 20 years ago, um, you're 87 years young now. So in your mind, donation is what? What do you think about it?
2: I think it's, a, it's the stories that are told.
0: Yeah, here at the transplant canes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think that
2: it's all about, is people hearing the stories and sympathizing with them. hmm being happy for them, mm-hmm. and that's what the games is about.
0: Yeah, and what do you think about this young man right here, Brian?
2: Oh, I think it's wonderful.
0: Yeah.
2: And his family is wonderful to remember yeah. to do that.
0: And I think it's great that all of you continue to come here, celebrate not only Joe's life, but celebrate the life of Brian mm-hmm. as well. So when you're dressed up and you're the team mascot for Georgia, what do you do? Do you shake it like no. you were doing on the dance floor <laughs> earlier? <laughs>
2: Not many moves are seen
0: in the costume, <laughs> that's right. she you does just, move just about. You just greet. I just greet the people and give away my pins. And give away her <laughs> pins. Yes, because that's a thing. Everybody wants to trade pins Nobody here. Nobody else has that pin. Like I know. Me. Do you have our team Louisiana pin? Yes. You have one? Jill. Okay. I and know. I have a Georgia pin. All right. Good. We're good. We're sisters now. All right. <laughs> Thank you all for sharing your story. Thanks Thank for coming to the transplant game. Do I want to see? Yes, I want to see. There she is. That's her pin. She even has like a little uniform to come here. Team Georgia, Mrs. Peanut, and you are all dressed up. I just love it. I love that you do it as a family. <laughs> I thought she was precious. She just touched my heart, and we had to share this story as well. And then we learned about Sweet Brian too. So good luck at the transplant games. Thank you. Have you won any medals yet? Not, Not yet. yet. Not yet. To, competed, come. Yeah.
4: Uh, to come. Bowling Monday and Tuesday. Okay, he can do it, right? Oh yes. Good guy.
0: <laughs> all right. We thank you so much, Joe, Judy, and Mrs. Peanut or Tina. All right, more to come from Transplant Games 2016.
5: My name is Michael Doty. I'm 24 years old. I received a double lung transplant November 10th, 2014. I'm here at the Transplant Games, competing in cornhole, cycling, darts, and volleyball. Is this your first time at the games? Yes, this is my first time. I'm most excited about meeting new people, trading pins. Uh, whenever we got here, the first day, we, uh, I went and registered, got my pins, and started trading and meeting a lot of new people. What's it like meeting other recipients? Has that been one of the highlights? Yeah, it's, it's nice meeting new recipients to know that you have somebody that has gone through the same thing as you and hearing their story and what happened and where they're from and stuff. So it's exciting to, to meet new people. So what was your motivation to come? I would have to say just when I knew they were doing cycling, darts, cornhole, and volleyball, I've, I've did all those games since I was young. So uh, it was nice to come out and do something that I know and have fun doing it. Does it feel good to do it now that you had your transplant? Yes, it was amazing. Uh, my nieces and nephews never really, you know, they want me always go play with them, go play with them. Never really understood. You know, they understood I had CF and stuff and I was sick and all that, but they really, never really knew why. So once I got my lungs and I was able to run around and play with them, you know, they were excited and they're always having fun with me. So who's with you supporting you today? Here with me today is my wife and my parents. I had a sister, uh, Tristan, she passed away when she was eight years old in 1990 due to cystic fibrosis. She had a lot of complications, she had swallowed a piece of cheese and it got lodged in her uh, middle lobe, so since then she had complications and uh, unfortunately she passed away in 1990. I was born in 92, I was diagnosed at 18 months old, in and out of the hospital, very young age, pneumonia is mainly what kept me down in sinuses. I was on the list a year, a month, and a day, November 10th. And uh, I got my first call, and then it took three more calls after that to finally get my set of lungs for me. So the first few times was hard, but then I always knew if it was time, it was time. So I was just patiently waiting and living my life as I was before I was listed. And um, once I got my call for my lungs, I was ready to go, it was amazing. I was in the hospital for two or three weeks. I was up I was up the same day and sitting up in a chair without the ventilator. By the next day I was walking. So it felt it felt great to walk. As soon as they took the tube out, I could tell a big difference. So it's it's been amazing since I had my transplant.
0: Transplant Games 2016 still going strong. Um, love this little family. These are the Babbins from Slidell, Louisiana. And we're all here because of this guy right here. His name is? Blake Babin. Blake Babin. And this is dad, mom, siblings. Cutest little blonde family. I just love it. How are the games?
5: It's been great. Yeah. You know, we, um, we went to it. The first time we went was in 2014 and um we were just blown away and just to you know meet other kids and other families that are going through the same thing that you're going through you, know, you wake up accustomed to you know everything's a normal ride and all of a sudden you know you get brought back to reality but it's a it's a great experience and you know we, we've enjoyed it and you know, we continue to do this every year every every other two years
0: yeah so tell us about blake's story it started 14 years ago
5: actually we found out about 19 weeks in utero that uh blake had a thing hypoplastic left heart syndrome and um you know the doctors gave us some options and uh after a long long time of prayer and everything we decided that we'd uh put him on the transplant list by the grace of god you know and um you know our kid was able to get a heart at two weeks old
0: wow wow at two weeks old so how old are you now 14. Four, you got a teenager in the house, Babbins. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, so um, tell us about the games. What do you think about them?
5: Uh, they're really fun, and it's fun to meet people who have gone through what I have.
0: Yeah. So people who have walked the walk just like you. Warriors. We love it. And <laughs> so what do you think about organ donation?
5: Well, it saved my life, so I can't not appreciate it.
0: That's right, right? <laughs> yeah. I love it, and I yeah. love the smile. Now, um, I heard you played some basketball. And I heard you hit some baskets and got Team Louisiana some points. How'd that feel? It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And, and did you hear everybody cheering? I do think Louisiana's loudest. Yeah. What do you think? Loudest fans? Yeah, Loudest fans for sure. So, as a mom, you're watching this, this guy here perform and do well. So, what does that do for you, mom? Oh, it
6: fills my heart. Yeah. You know we were one. <laughs> one place away from a medal but in my book like blake medaled in a whole different way he came off the court, elated and excited and congratulated by our team and even the opposing team and just the hugs and it was awesome
0: yeah so um blake you travel with an entourage support system here and you guys have really been troopers because these have been some long days so have we been having fun meeting people yeah He's like, yeah, yeah, awesome. You know, th- did y'all do the, the pin exchange? We got some- uh. Yeah, we got free san- hand sanitizer. That's important here at the Games do. with Transplant Patients. <laughs> <Transplant. laughs> awesome. So, so donation, Mom and Dad, means what, if you had to sum it up in, in one word or one sentence? A must. It's a must. Um... Your turn, Mom? It's
6: the most generous gift I think another family could give in their time of grief is to give another family life.
0: Mm-hmm. And we've been seeing that again and again. We had the donor tribute. You guys have written to the donor. We haven't heard back, but one day, maybe.
4: Maybe. And then what
0: would you say to that family? Do we even, have we put I don't it into words?
6: Put it into words, I just think a big hug and a thank you. Yeah, thank you. all right. We pray for them every day. We pray in Thanksgiving every day. For this like, big gift. And we say grace, that's just part of our yeah. prayer. Normal,
0: uh, normal for the Babbins. So, for folks who are watching this at home who haven't been to the games but they're tied to donation, would you recommend? Absolutely,
2: absolutely.
6: <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right. It's
6: just a moving, powerful, overwhelmingly loving experience for I think the donor side and the recipient side. Just to all come together and celebrate life and celebrate the gift of organ donation.
0: Yeah, so Blake, if there's someone like you out there and they want to come to the games, would you tell them to do it? Yes, absolutely. All right, we appreciate the Babbins. You can hear more of their story on our Gifted Life podcast. You can download it on your favorite podcast app or go to lopa.org slash podcast. You have to do it today, girl. <laughs> All right, on three, we're gonna say Team Louisiana. One, two, three. Team, Team Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. Woo! Again, guys, a flashback from Transplant Games 2016. I mean, that's incredible. Right? All those stories.
1: Yeah, Laura, just to think, you know, a year ago, two years ago, some of these people were, you know, struggling, you know, hoping for that second chance of life. And look at what they're doing with it now.
2: Well, talk about inspiring and uplifting. And and they all seem so happy and just thrilled to be participating. Yeah.
0: I just love all of these stories. I love Team Louisiana. I love the new friends and partners we made from not only across the country, but across the world. It's incredible. Look, you want to see more, hear more, you can go to Lopa.org on our podcast page. You can click on these videos. Um, You can also go to our YouTube channel. We've been using these stories in churches and civic groups um, and schools across the state, and you can use them too. It's all about making life happen. Join us today in our family support segment today we are talking about children and
1: grief we were fortunate enough to speak with Sharon Westbury uh, of Our Lady of the Lake uh, Children's Hospital and she talked a lot about the services that were provided with the impact of grief on children. So we're going to explore a little bit further with Sally here, and she's going to talk a little bit more about children and traumatic events.
2: You know, most kids want to feel powerful and that they're in control of their lives. But what happens when someone they love dies, they lose that safety and security that they believe adults can provide to them. And the, and the reason I say that is because many times adults are very just wrapped up in their own grief and they kind of forget about the kids, not because they think that's something they need to do or want to do. It's just that, you know, when we all go through some serious life issues like this, sometimes it's hard to think of others, even if our own children, uh, which makes it difficult for the kids to understand, you know, oh, I think you've kind of forgotten about me. It gives them a sense that their security is not there for them. It creates feelings of fright, vulnerability. And sometimes you see children act out in ways that of- how they actually feel Uh, because you know you'll see a a child that's been very good in school make good grades gets along with their peers or with other siblings and then when something traumatic happens in their life next thing their grades drop or they start picking fights Um, you know these sort of things and many times they They just don't want to talk about it because they're not sure how can they tell people? What is it they can tell? Uh, Kind of like what Sharon talked about, that many times adults skirt around the issue of death because it's very difficult for them. And they think they're protecting their children, but the children know. I mean, kids are pretty perceptive about it. Smarter than we think. Absolutely. And so some of the common reactions that I think is important for people to recognize is that. You know, preschool children, um, they'll start crying, thumb sucking, you know, being more clinging. You know, maybe they're being afraid of people that they normally would be running up to and interacting with. And sometimes they just don't want to be left alone. There's that clinging part of it. And then children who are ages 6 to 11... You get the physical complaints or you sense they're depressed or they just don't want to have anything to do with anyone. There could be aggression with family, with peers. Also, they might revert back to previous behaviors. And, you know, that's something is, I think we've talked about over time here is that the way that we cope when we're children that's kind of how the same coping mechanisms kick in when we're adults and you will see that that when any of us goes through a traumatic situation like this we do revert back to old ways of behaving because mm-hmm. it made us feel safe and secure. so this is kind of what we see going on with the children too and then, Kids that are between 12 and 17, which is also a very difficult time anyway for children, you see different changes in sleep disturbances or emotional turmoil, maybe decline in previous responsibilities that they maybe take out the garbage or help pick up dishes or walk the dog or, you know, things like this that they just, well, I don't want to do it anymore. They go to bed, the door's shut, you can't get to them. And they too have fears and concerns about safety. So, you know, all these behaviors play into the traumatic event that's happened for them in their lives. So I think some of the things that can be very helpful for us as adults to know when interacting with children, that when we're talking about death, we can be honest about it. And be able to speak with them kind of their age or level of understanding, you know, because when doors are shut or whispers are going on, kids automatically take that as a personal thing that I'm being abandoned. They're leaving me behind. Why don't they want to share this with me? And even though we as adults think, well, no, we're just trying to shield them. That's really not a healthy way for children uh, to understand that death is part of living. And it's not to trivialize what's going on for them, but reaching out, touching, holding them, letting them know everything will be okay. And also being honest and and just reassure them that, you know, you're there for them. No matter if your heart's breaking for maybe another child that you may have just recently lost, you still have other children in the family and they need you desperately. And it takes some time for the adults to work through all of this, as it does for the children too. But encourage your child to talk with you about it. It's okay. Let's talk about, you know, brother, sister, you know, mom, dad, whatever the case may be. And then at the absolute end of all this, if, if you as that parent think that, that your child is still not doing well and there's difficulties, you can always reach out to a professional. Or if we may be of any assistance to you, please reach out to us at at Lopa.org. We will be happy to refer you to a local uh, support group or perhaps an individual counselor. Or there's lots of information that we can provide to you that's on the internet that is good, reliable information to help you and your children deal with a traumatic event.
0: All right, thanks Sally, all good information. Uh, If you have something you wanna ask Sally, info at lopa.org. At this point in the Gifted Life Podcast, would you wanna pause and honor a hero?
1: Yeah, Lori. this episode will be honoring Bobby Wayne Nation. He was 28 years old at the time of his passing. This was written by his mom, and she says our son's time on earth ended April 13, 2015. He had a brother, Michael, and a dog, Apple Marie, who we loved very deeply. The doctor spoke to us about Bobby's condition. I remember telling the doctor that it had been Bobby's wish to be an organ donor. He had spoken openly about it to us. He had put it on his license. Bobby was a handsome fella. He had curly hair, blue eyes, and he had big old dimples. He could easily make a room full of people laugh. Bobby loved to sing songs, creating his own funny lyrics. Bobby was a giver and had a heart of gold. Bobby gave the gift of life, and now we have some peace knowing that he lives on in others. One of his recipients was his own grandmother. I'm happy to report she is doing well. Because of Bobby's strong love of music, he also, of course, loved guitars. So his grandmother named her kidney Hendrix. Our son will always be alive in our memory and hearts.
0: And if you want more of Bobby's story, you want to see pictures, you want to see those dimples that um, the parents were talking about, go to lopa.org, click on our hero stories. You can learn more about Bobby Nation, this hero, our other heroes from across our area. Thank you to Bobby for the gift of life. At this point in the podcast, we take your questions and hopefully provide the answers that you are seeking. Uh, Joey, this one comes in to us. I was told that since I can't donate blood, I can't be an organ donor. True?
1: That is absolutely false. False. And there are many reasons that you would possibly not be able to be a, uh, a blood donor. One of those is simply you don't weigh enough with potential recipients being, you know, 12 pounds, 20 pounds or whatever, you have to have that same or similar size to be able to match up as a donor and, and recipient. So that's one of the primary uh, differences there. Uh, one of the other big differences is, is that if you have certain infectious diseases like hepatitis, uh, you can still be an organ donor. And even now, With the HOPE Act, you can have HIV and still be an organ donor. Of course, those are matched up with similar recipients, with those recipients that have hepatitis uh, or that have HIV. Uh, So because it is a life-saving organ and you don't have any other options there, the potential is a lot less conservative. Uh, for organ donation as opposed to blood donation.
0: Yeah, and we have a volunteer who is a recipient, and he said his whole life he had diabetes, and he was told, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't donate blood. And then when he found out he could be an organ donor, it was like a rite of passage, like, oh, "Oh, I'm getting that heart. Oh, absolutely. I did it, and then he needed a a transplant. So um, so his story is pretty powerful. Donnie Troxclair in the Baton Rouge area, who's always helping us out and paying it forward. Thanks for the question. Thanks for the answer, Joe. More to come. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed a look back at Transplant Games 2016. I just thought it was incredible.
1: It was. Very special thanks to Team Louisiana going out, traveling out to Cleveland, Ohio, representing Louisiana in such a way that they did, and, of course, sharing their wonderful stories with us.
2: And thanks to all the participants who are spreading awareness across the state. They just did a fantastic job, and sharing their stories just awesome.
0: Yeah, and you still have access to these stories, Lopa.org. You can click on our podcast page or visit our YouTube channel. So um, if you have to uh, do a presentation at a school or at a civic group or you just want to talk to your church or something like that, you can use these stories, testimonials about the power of donation. So go out, do something today that you don't normally do to help us make life happen. Have a good one.